This is a Geek Bro Podcast. What's up, besties? This is episode 51, you're like a dream come true, of Childlike at Best with Mike Valdez, and I am still the second part of that title. Thank you so much for being with us this week. If you can, please hit the subscribe button so you can get more episodes like this and also leave us a review in the iTunes store and give us five stars. That really helps us get to the new and noteworthy page on Apple Podcasts. That would really be helpful. I really hope that you guys are doing well and I hope that you're holding on to your butts because this week's episode guest is my close and personal friend Austin who goes by the name Maple. Maple is a singer-songwriter, musician, and producer who has made many different musical projects for himself, Zed, as well as many other artists. This was such a fun conversation. I've known Austin since he was in sixth grade, and we get to talking about that. We talk about growing up church kids. We talk about all of our stories from that, as well as stories from the music business. There's a lot of good laughs and a lot of good insight in this episode. In fact, this episode has been edited down, and if you want the full and unedited version of this podcast, you can go to Haas Maple on Twitch. That's Haas, H-A-U-S, Maple, as in maple syrup, on Twitch, and you can find the full and unedited version of this conversation. All in all, I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode, so without further ado, please enjoy my friend, Maple. But yeah, man, I mean, other than that, I'm just same the same silly goose from the you've <laughs> always known. <laughs> yeah, know? bro. That's so dumb. Yeah, you haven't changed a bit, bro. You have like anti-aging. You have like the fountain of youth or something. <laughs> I really it's don't. Like, I really bro, don't. You look the same age since I've met you. I, I and think I have. I've been 45 since the day you met me. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> Oh my gosh. When I met you, I felt, I feel like you were like 18 or something. No, Um, I met you when you were in sixth grade. That's so crazy. Right. That must mean that when I met you, I must've been 15 or 16. Yeah. I guess in my head you were older because you were like. Yeah. Because when you're in sixth uh, grade, everybody's 40. Yeah. And you were like, were you working with, was it George Lockhart? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. What a throwback. I dude. know this is um, going to be a throwback day. Yeah. That's why I love it. I was so excited, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny how, how we're all also still doing kind of what we love too. you know? Yeah, um, I, of course. I really like appreciate that. Yeah, man. When it comes to me, it took me a little longer than I would have liked to get to where I am now, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm still glad that I did it and I'm still glad yeah. that, that I've experienced the things that I have experienced. And when I was with George Lockhart, I traveled the entire world, you know, doing missionary work and things like that. And that was great. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. But to be fair, I never took like writing music seriously until I was in my 20s. And I never really yeah. took acting seriously until I was in my 20s and things like that, which unfortunately, it's kind of a young man's game because you kind of have to be in this for a long time. But to be fair, just to go back to what you were saying, which is very sweet that you're saying this, that that I looked the same. So that's a good thing that I have, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, for the listener, where did you grow up? Born in Arkansas, totally random. And then I lived in Missouri for about four years and then I moved to Miami. So I grew up in Miami. Short answer. <laughs> right. And you were at the same school and church for majority of the time? Yeah. So okay. that school 
goes until sixth grade, I think. Yeah. So it goes until sixth grade and then it was a private school. And then after that I was going to public schools, which mm-hmm. was like totally, I was totally not expecting like public school to be what it was. It was just sure. a very different Just everybody experience. was making out and everything. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, it was, people were making out, people were doing drugs. Yeah. Um, and you're like, I was well, just I can like, see ankle here. That's crazy. Yeah. This is like, this is dope. Uh, it definitely was like eye opening and I definitely fell into the pits of pleasure and despair. No, that, I mean, that happened later in middle sure. school. I wasn't Doesn't it happen to all of us? Yeah, exactly. You just, you know, you, you gotta, not, not even you have to, it's just natural for sure for when you're growing up to kind of like experience things. And I don't know, it's, it's just, it's, it's trippy to me how, how everyone kind of goes through similar things and they choose to kind of react to different situations in different ways. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that church and that school that I went to though, that definitely was because of it being a church as well. And still going there throughout middle school and high school, it was like my main location of just life in general. Yeah. I mean, every single memory I have was at that church. I mean, um, to be honest, you know, every memory I have of you as a kid was involved in that church. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. It, it's pretty it, crazy. Oh my gosh. Like you, that's so you funny. and I, you and I just like playing piano songs to each other. Mm-hmm. Like you teaching me Vanessa yes. Carlton and then me teaching you something corporate. And then, you know. <laughs> Bro, you remember that? Yes, dude, I remember that so heavy, dude. Something corporate. That's so crazy. Like that. You know what's funny is, I I feel like it's probably a year ago. It feels like a couple months ago, but very recently I was listening to something corporate, and it's one of those bands that I. Because of the age that I was listening to, there's so many artists that were like, I was obsessed with and then completely forgot about yeah. just how it happens. Yeah. So I had completely forgotten about him. Like it was wiped from my memory. Mm-hmm. So much bands like that, like even Under Oath, dude, like really? I forgot existed. It's mm-hmm. it's just so crazy how because of the music that I ended up making and being in and all this stuff mm-hmm. and just the way the internet was changing, sure. how different my musical taste became but I still love all that stuff. And, and more recently, I think maybe it's like the age that I'm turning while these memories resurface. I'm like starting to listen to all that stuff again. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that was just like that whole scene of bands under oath and all that stuff was just the bomb dude. Yeah. Like, and what's that great, music changed my life. what's great about music is that mm-hmm. it allows us to travel time in yeah. a lot of ways, because in listening to those things, you remember where you were when you first heard it and things like that, which, I mean, you know these kinds of things, but that's like, that's the whole marketing strategy behind hearing the song Fancy by Iggy Azalea 30 times on the hour. Like, that's why you hear that song so many times. Yeah. Because the whole point is so that you will be in the car with your girlfriends and have a memory. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's literally exactly. the whole reason why it's played 30 times in a row. You know, so. Yeah, it's like environment meets content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, and our and our content is music that not everyone in the mainstream knew, but it is something that has a lot of memories and, and a lot of feelings, you know. Yeah. So Copeland is another one for me. Oh yeah, Copeland's huge. Absolutely. You know, yeah. It's is such and I think why for me why Copeland's so good and something really anything like that uh you know, I wouldn't say 
I think it's the difference between like a song from something corporate or Copeland and an Iggy Azalea song is that like those songs are the perfect thing to cater to somebody. Sure. You know, it's like a healthy meal yeah. of something that will stick with you. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's why when I like, I listen to that stuff, I, it's like, I'm so fond of those memories. You yeah. know, it really brings me back to a time where all music was new to me. All types of st- stuff was new and there was no limit to what I felt like I could do musically. Right. You know, and then you kind of grow up and realize like, oh, wait. I can't play this that well. I have to figure out how to play this better or I can't, I can't do all these things because I, I, I always want to do so many things and I'm just like, okay, bro, focus on one thing. You can't just do everything. You don't have that kind of time anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just a part of learning and, you know, crafting and retaining discipline. Yeah, of course. And so you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what kind of a kid were you in school? Who did you hang out with at the lunch table? Was it just a whole uh, bunch of like emo kids with with like vomit font shirts on and stuff? Or like, uh, no. <laughs> you remember Actually, that time in yeah. Hot Topic where everything was vomit font? Bro, <laughs> I love Chiodos, that. Dude. Yes, Chiodos. Yes, bro. Yes, Circus Survive. I think was the name of that band. Yeah. Um, no, I. I mean, I mean, there's there's obviously like elementary, middle, then high school. Elementary, it, we all we all had uniforms and stuff, and we all kind of we're the same type of person. It was very odd. They kind of like churn you out there. Oh yeah. And then, um, and then a middle school is where private school kids actually get to develop a personality and <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And, uh, or public school rather. And those kids, I would hang out with kind of emo kids. There was this one girl, Stella, that was like my best friend from middle school to, to high school. And to now she's like, still one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. The thing is when middle school is when I really realized there were like other emo kids, but they wouldn't let me hang out with them. That I, That's one fun thing I remember. Oh, wow. I would hang out with actually mostly like Hispanic kids. The real emo kids. <laughs> the Hispanics. <laughs> <laughs> the minorities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like they, the, I, I feel like also too, my level of like emo-ness wasn't as like refined as theirs because my parents wouldn't what buy that me that extra mean, shit dude. dude these kids had like fishnets that's so and like stupid. and they could do they could do like eyeliner and stuff like i wasn't allowed to wear the makeup i couldn't have piercings as a guy yeah, i couldn't have um fishnets so i didn't really have like the goth thing which is what i was going for right they called the emo but i wanted to be like goth yeah they, my parents wouldn't let me so then i ended up hanging out with the hispanic kids because hispanic kids like had kind of all this different style there was like indie kind of okay which i feel like was a part of the culture and the part of the music they listened to it kind of just in miami just how it was and then in high school high school i hung out with everyone honestly yeah i even had moments where i used to sit in the field alone because like now, when I delete my Instagram or what I did recently, I unfollowed everyone except for my girlfriend. Too many things going on kind of freaks me out sure. um, when it comes to people. So because people are very unpredictable and chaotic. So like in group settings, like the only way that I'm good is if I kind of stick with one person or, or, or like a small little group and I talk to them. Yeah. But in bigger groups, I'm kind of like, whoa. Uh, unless I'm like performing is easy because you're, I mean, it's definitely like maybe a narcissistic thing, but you are on display 
Right. You're on display, but you're on display on a surface level. Yeah. You're only allowing them to see how vulnerable you want them to see you vulnerable. (laughs) Exactly. And I like the idea of the control of that. I like the idea of a small bout of creative manifestation of somebody's like inner demons, angels, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Like, because when I see my favorite bands that play are people that I'm seeing them walk around the show before. Cause I I film a lot of shows in Nashville. One of my ways to to make money uh, for like freelance work. Let me show you an example. There was this girl walking around one time wearing almost some somewhat of a suit and off stage, you would just think that's kind of an awkward outfit and I wear weird shit. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'm just saying it was kind of an awkward thing because it didn't even seem weird. It just seemed whatever. And then her hair was kind of t- tied back into a ponytail. And then this girl goes on stage and she just starts rocking out like mm-hmm. in some crazy, just interesting way. And I was like, whoa, yeah. she's getting something out. And then there's other people that are kind of like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> what's up? Ready for the show? <laughs> and then they go on stage and they're like, what's up, guys? You guys ready for the show? Let me see you all come to the front. Let me see you clap. Yeah. And it's like, bro, we already live in like you know, little boxes world. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's like, why are we going to do even more of that? You know? So that's not really something I enjoy. Sorry. I'm fixing something really quick. No, you're good. Because my my phone has to be charged. and I realized it wasn't. (laughs) You're all good, man. Um, We're just talking. Yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) The thing is, is uh, back to um, as far as why performances are so good. Yeah why I enjoy it so much is because it's like a journal entry. You know, you can sit there and kind of just express in this way, how you're feeling on top of this pre-made scrapbook and each song is a frame and you're the picture within the frame. You're the moving picture within the frame and it's going to be a different picture every time, but it's going to be the same scrapbook. I don't know. Yeah. I like metaphors. Well, I mean, I've, it's funny. I I've used this metaphor in comedy. I've used it on the podcast before, but having done comedy and having done music and things like that, uh, a lot of my musician friends are like, wow, you do comedy. I can never do that. And it's like, well, yeah, you kind of can, you know, the, the yeah. thing is there's pros and cons to both sides. So mm-hmm. the pro in music is that you can play a song and everybody's going to be extremely respectful. The con is that you can play a song for six months and nobody will ever tell you that that's a bad song. They're just clapping because you have a guitar in your hands and you're singing. If you tell a bad joke, you will find out immediately that it's not a good joke. (laughs) Yes. 100%. And so that's the con, you know, but it's also the pro, you know, is that you will not waste any of your time. No, but yeah, it will you learn keep very you quickly. You know, I'll tell you something. There, there, I I respond the way an audience at a comedy show would respond to artists. And like, look, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm God's gift to earth as a musician. I know my value, but what I am saying is, is that like, if I see people on stage doing music uh, out here, like uh, some of these guys, I'm like, bro, just go start a family, dude. Yeah. Like you're done. <laughs> like just stop, bro. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Because it, it's, it, it's what's, what's more fucked up about it actually is that you can tell that they're not even doing it because they enjoy it. Cause they're mad that nobody's there. They're doing it Man. because 
they want to be on stage and they want to like show their friends, like, look at this thing that I do. It's like show and tell for adults. And it's like, bro, like get past that. Cause you're wasting your time. Like, I don't know. I just feel like people should find the thing that they have a unearthed 10,000 hours connection to and follow that because, and then, and then combined with that, if you can make money off of it without it being something that's like, so like, let's say music, right? I don't make that much money off of my royalties and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that I still get checks and stuff because of the Zed stuff and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I still can make money off of a freelance and I do for like sound design and then for videos, same thing. So I look at it like this. If I can make money off of a freelance, that's, that's my move where it's like, okay, then I can pursue it creatively to see if it expands beyond that. But once you, once you're making money off of something freelance or like, let's say comedy, once you're getting paid to do it because they know you're worth and you're getting paid weekly or whatever, just because you're not making a million dollars doesn't mean that it's not a career at that point. Right. It's like, okay, you have the career aspect of it down. Being famous is a whole different thing. Oh yeah. Because I know you know that there's comedians that do it the way um, certain bands do it, where it's like they do it because they know that they're going to keep making money. They're getting places to play. They might not ever get national potential, but they're known where they are. They're known in this niche audiences and that's dope. Like, sure. uh, and so I think that with approaching it, you have to look at it 50, 50, 50% is like base level. Is it a skill basically? Yeah. And then the other level is like, um, what could it be? for the masses. And that's really more of the universe's decision. You know, there's not too much you can do. Like as much as people think that like you can just spam the internet with something like still the good stuff rises to the surface. Like I still believe that. And the reason why there's still really popular pop music that's trash is because that's still good music. It's just really good fast food. You know, like it's the best fast food. Yeah. Uh, so there's all there's always hierarchies and it's just about figuring out how to how to make your way up that hierarchy if you can, you yeah. know, just like with comedy, you know, see so where you can start opening for bigger people. What I like about comedy though is like you said, the there's that aspect where it's immediate immediately knowing whether or not it's good or not. But yeah. I do like the fact that when you go on stage, since there's not really the scrapbook, it's more of just the moving pictures, it changes all the time. It's always evolving. Oh, yeah. You know, I love yeah. it, man. There's, there's a lot about comedy that's great, and there's a lot about music that's great, you know? Um, yeah, 100%. That, that's why I do everything. You know, at the perfect mold for a show for me would be a, a show that has comedy and music, and you know, and when I'm doing stand up, I'm it's funny. And when I'm playing music, you're taking me seriously, which is why yeah. I don't write funny music, you know, yeah. because I know that immediately once I start getting vulnerable, no one's going to take me seriously again, you know, yeah. because they're like, oh, that's the guy that wrote freaking farts on a log or whatever, like, which yeah, is a like stupid song title. But, you know, it's, you know, no, I feel you anyway, as far as like when you were in school, did you ever do anything extracurricular with performing? Were you ever like in drama or, you know, anything like that? Or did, did that satisfy Uh, an itch for you? I really, honestly, like I felt like I would have fit in way more with the drama kids in high school than I would have. I feel like you would have. Yeah. Knowing you from back then. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't do drama in high school because it was honestly like the chorus thing, which is, I thought that it was, 
cheesy and I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't take it seriously. Uh, when I was in, when I was in middle school and elementary school, I took chorus and choir very seriously okay. because I could see the seriousness in it, and the teachers were super intense, and we were actually very we, we were really good. And I mean, that was like a ten thousand hours thing too. We practiced literally every single weekday morning at six thirty a.m. for an hour before school started, wow. and if you do that from first grade to sixth grade for six years you're, you're churning out these kids that really just know how to sing choir music. Yeah. So that's why I was in magnet choir. Yeah. In high school, the teacher just wasn't really great. Um, nobody really took it seriously, but I, I really wish I did drama honestly in retrospect. Cause I really want to do acting. I was actually supposed to be filming a short film this weekend, but I don't think, I think that the, the actor that they had in place ended up, uh, so they basically he was, he's SAG okay. and they can't, they, they couldn't use him because yeah. he was SAG. And so then they were like, can you do it? And I was like, yeah, they're like, send us an audition tape. So I sent them an audition tape. They're like, all right, you got it. They're like, can you be at Miami this day to this day? And I was like, yeah. And this was like last week. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this was supposed to be in two days. So they hit me up yesterday and they said, we'll let you know by the end of the day. And then they never messaged me. So I'm assuming that I, that basically they got the guy and I'm not getting it. <laughs> you never know, man. If I know anything about the yeah. film business, you don't find out something until hours before you do it sometimes. Oh yeah. It's so crazy, man. Yeah. So, but I was really excited cause that would be my first thing working with somebody else other than the stuff that I do myself yeah. and the person who's directing it and doing it. I really love, she's amazing. It's Brittany Ray. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh, she's in those like Rick and Morty commercials and stuff. Like yeah. she's a really good, and I actually went to high school with her too. Um, so I, I, I just wanted to see myself in somebody else's work. Sure. It's kind of like a feature on somebody's song. It feels really odd and great at the same time. But what was the thing that made you want to start writing music? Was it just wanting to start a MySpace band page or like? Mm-mm. My brother was making music first mm-hmm. and he yeah, was recording music. Right? Yeah, no way. Even before that, this was like before right. that, because I started making music like in elementary school, like writing stuff. But because of how I was trained, I was writing it like on on like sheet music. I was yeah. like writing the notes and stuff, which now would just be so stupid. But um, that's all I knew. So I was doing that. And then in middle school, my Bless brother you. was on cakewalk. Sorry, I do that. It's it's like a bad thing that I just do. I do it in public. I did it at uh, you pets. should definitely not do it in public. <laughs> I know. I, well, not public. I, I do it like at my house. With a mask. There's on. a lot of people at my house. <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah, the mask. There's a lot of people in my house. And like there's, we had a pet funeral funeral recently oh, for a no. ferret. Yeah, it was, it was so sad. Yeah. Like it was so sad. And uh, <laughs> while, while, while he was like digging the grave, like. I was just like, <laughs> "Jeez, Louise!" Man. I know, but it's because we're at our house. And Even it's in the our yard was like, "God, damn. I know." It was so sad. <laughs> I felt so bad. Um, I don't do it other places, but yeah, I burp. Um, I, that totally threw me off track. What did man. you ask me? It, I forgot to be honest. <laughs> 
We were talking about like extra. I'm cur- only professional stuff. till a certain point, and you broke me. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, you said I'm gonna I'm gonna put us back on track. You said uh, I was in curricular stuff. Yeah. And then what made me get into making music? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then my brother was using Cakewalk to record music, basically. And so then I decided that I'm gonna record Holy music. Holy cow! Too. Yeah, Cakewalk on on PCs, like Jeez, on a laptop Louise, or something. That's like on a crazy. Yeah, and so that got me into it. And then also we had one of those like old school black tape recorders yeah. that they use in like documentaries to like, they like depth of field, shoot it to, you know, they're not actually using it. Yeah, yeah. One of those old school tape recorders, you can record like a few tracks on those. We used to use that. And then my brother started using GarageBand when he was going to college. Then my dad got a MacBook in his office and then I knew GarageBand and Reason was on that Mac. So then that's literally what started it. And from then on, I kept making stuff uh, on GarageBand. And then I learned about Logic. Dude, it's insane how long I waited to move to Logic. Because it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Well, just because thinking about it now, there's 14-year-olds using that stuff. And it took me, I want to say I got Logic when I was a junior in high school because we were in Cowboys and Indians and I, and I mixed and mastered and recorded one of our albums on logic at that time. I'll tell you something. I'm thankful for doing that. Cause now I've got 10,000 hours on logic for sure. Yeah. 100%. Like now, now logic, I could teach classes on it like yeah. straight up. Really the tipping point was, um, my brother, honestly, yeah. love him to death. Yeah. Andy's great. Shout out Andy. Mm-hmm. Shout out Andy right after us. <laughs> barbecue sauce. <laughs> you usually have to talk about barbecue sauce whenever you bring up Andy's name for some reason. Yes, um, bro. But <laughs> he's he, that dude loves his barbecue sauce. Um, but yeah, this is just out of curiosity, just for me. Yeah. When did you start December's Waiting? December's Waiting started... <sighs> that was like 13 Man. or 14, something like that? Actually, yeah. Whoa. So 14 years old. I know you too well, man. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. My research is that I've known you since you were a kid. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like we've been friends forever. Yeah. Uh, No. uh, I even, I still remember most of those songs. Dude, if I didn't do so many drugs, I'd remember them too. Oh, dude. (laughs) That's that's the uh, lesson, kids. uh, (laughs) Would you believe that someone like you would be with someone like me? Uh Uh-oh. Except it was all auto tune, so. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, bro. Yeah, dude. I think that was called Good Friends. Yeah. That's a good uh, song. No, okay, so it was My Lovely Disaster first, and then it was December's Waiting. (laughs) These are so MySpace, dude. (laughs) I mean, yeah, dude. So emo, bro. I will say I was on Jeffree Star's Top 8 at one point. And never shout never. Oh nice. shit! And the ready set. Nice. That was my like claim to fame at that time. That's why I had like, I think I had like, I want to say like forty thousand friends. Yeah. At one point. Holy cow! Honestly, it might have been more, but I had so many friends on MySpace. Yeah. That's what they were called, friends. Yeah, MySpace friends. <laughs> they were called <laughs> friends, right? Called friends, yeah. bro. <laughs> After that, they were like, "No, we gotta chill this out. We gotta stop this." No, no, no. no. What do you call people that no, you no, talk no, no. to? A relationship? Okay, that's what you call yeah. it. <laughs> oh, okay. They're friends. <laughs> no, yeah, those are the days, though. Yeah, man. and then we started a band called Forget It. Forget it. Forget everything you know. Yes, with Dana You're and welcome. Brother. 
Didn't Cowards you write control in that in that one? You, I think we did. Yeah, you wrote control, and then I think <laughs> you we know did. what? I'll just finish the interview. <laughs> You're like Nardwar without autism. <laughs> you wrote control, and you wrote other songs, I'm sure, but you wrote control, and then you yeah. brought control to Cowboys and Indians. Yeah, which to I this day is still wish. one of my favorite bands of all time. Thank you, dog. Yeah, you man. know what's sad about that is that our name was so clearly politically incorrect. Like, <laughs> yeah, I still don't care. But at the same time, it's like, damn, we should have chosen a different name. What's sad is I feel like I came up with that name and like convinced my brother was cool. And like now I would not choose that name. Sure. Not even because of the PC shit, just because I think it's a stupid name. It's actually a cool name. For the time, it was cool. Exactly. Definitely too. Exactly. It worked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh. It's all good. Yeah. You would just have to be called Cowboys Ambersand now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't be called Indians anymore. Dude, I, I still remember at one point, you sadly at one point decided that you wanted to move on from Cowboys and Indians and yes. Cowboys and Indians wanted to keep going. So they were trying out new singers. And so I auditioned with two songs and I still remember yeah. to this day, the name of the YouTube channel is Native American Idol. <laughs> 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 bro yeah. man i feel like if you came to nashville sorry if, if the mic is going in and out no you're good i feel like i feel like if you came to nashville we could make such good videos like oh dude i'd love I, to i, I re i've really been wanting to do i used to like, live there by the way what yeah i used to live there before That's you moved crazy. but i still live there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, then you should visit sometime. You could stay with me. Yeah, I'd love um, to. we got a crazy place out here. Just not, not. It's not like super nice or anything, but it's just, I, I'm living in like a biosphere type scenario. We've got like this thirty by forty foot garden. You've probably seen it on the Instagram, the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the videos, and the house is full of like over, probably over a hundred something plants. Wow. Um, it's just a whole vibe. We got a white grand piano in the second floor. It's just a whole vibe. I'd love for you to come out here because I, I really feel like we could do like wild videos. Heck yeah, like man. I, uh, I have a lot of ideas for videos that are just straight up. Like, okay. Like, like before the video, I'd be like, Hey, I mean, I, I know you probably know how these things go too, yeah. depending on what type of video it is, but it's like, all right, I'm going to bring up this subject and we're just kind of, kind of, we're going to kind of like, improvise on it uh -huh. back and forth with two cameras mm -hmm. and then shop that bitch up yeah and just make like simple odd things because since we know each other already we kind of get each other's humor i think we can make some really cool stuff i'd yeah, love man. that and then we could also stream we could do a guest stream because i i'm realizing that i really like having guests on the stream yeah i feel dude, like it's any, gonna be the future honestly man especially with this whole COVID thing anytime you want to stream mm -hmm. i'm down I'm here. I it, got bro. my thing. I'm good to go. Just to go into our next bit, what were your favorite snacks as a kid, dude? I mean, what what just popped in my head? And it's funny. I, they popped in my head, and then I was like, let me think about that. I was like, wait, no, they popped in my head. Grilled cheese gushers. Those okay. were the two things that popped in my head. Grilled cheese like, gushers? Grilled cheese and gushers, okay. not like <laughs> grilled cheese. Hey, man, the 90s gushers. were a crazy time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, bro. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. Uh, tang, I really liked. The powder? Yeah, there was a powder, but then there was like a like a Capri Sun type, like a tank pouch. Okay. Really like that. That's better than and the powder. And off the top of my head, that's like all I can think of. And like fruit by the foot. Like I really liked like candy type stuff. Sure. You know, for snacks. Yeah, of Food course. different. Were you a cereal person growing up? Yes. Yeah? What were your favorites? Yes. Reese's Puffs. Yeah. 
And I don't know why I liked so much pops. Yeah, corn pops. Corn pops is so simple. Yeah. You know what you would love? I don't know if you've had them yet, but peanut butter what? corn pops. What? Yeah, dude. That sounds amazing. They're delicious. Does it taste just like the peanut butter parts of the Reese's one? Yeah, but it has the corn pops texture. Ooh. So okay, it's actually okay. it's actually a really good combination. I might have to see if they have like a version of it at, at Kroger because at Kroger's they have like different like they have like Kroger brands of yeah, yeah. normal shit. Yeah. And it's like way cheaper. Yes. Yeah. So oh, good. I know oh Kroger. Yeah. Kroger's awesome. At all, in, in LA they're they're Ralph's, but it's the same brand. Mm-hmm. Um but they do the same kind of stuff. It's like, you know, circle oats. And you're like, all right, it's Cheerios, you know? Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, but it's so it's so good. Sometimes they're better, bro. Sometimes they are, like, man. Absolutely. Sometimes they're less uh, sweet, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean they're less like that tangy, crazy sweet. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I like that for sure. <laughs> well, the reason why I ask you that is because on every episode of this podcast, I like to review a box of cereal with my guest. Okay. Um, yeah and i usually like to get a cereal that has something to do with my guest in some way shape or form Uh so i spoke with my sponsors over at kellogg's now by sponsor (laughs) i mean that i like them and i buy all of their products and by (laughs) spoke to i mean that i tweeted them repeatedly and they didn't get back to me so the (laughs) cereal that i chose for you is kellogg's ego cereal oh yes yeah Okay, it's, now I'm going to bring my hat out. It's a maple-flavored homestyle waffle cereal. And that's I had, perfect maple. That That's what I'm saying. And <laughs> and Haas maple. Yeah. Yes, is exactly. It, is it Haas maple or house maple? It's Haas, yeah. yeah. Haas, yeah. And Haas is homestyle, technically. So <laughs> exactly. there you go. That's exactly why I got it for you. <laughs> that's what <amazing. laughs> Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I have to make a jump, but hey, I I usually always get cereal that has something to do with my guests. Are you going to review it now? Are you going to eat it and review it or have you already eaten it? No, I have not already eaten it. Okay, so eat it. Let's go. But we're going to review this together, actually. Beautiful. So I'm going to show you this box here. That's the box art. It pretty much looks like an Eggo Waffles box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the back, it has... So oh, ego weird characters okay. with eyes. <laughs> and Whoa, uh, that's scary. Dude. Yeah, that's it like is kind nightmare. of mortifying, huh? Cool. And yeah. uh, and it has Jesus little like Christ. waffle jokes. Like uh, I was going to tell you a waffle joke, but then it had too many holes, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. Stuff that even kids wouldn't really find that funny. And um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So I <laughs> look, man. This is my thought. I think that it would be super fun to review this cereal. But what would be more fun is for you to review this cereal as someone in the upside down from Stranger Things. So it kind of makes a little bit of sense, given that the room that you're in right now kind of looks like the upside down. But (laughs) yes, you should give us like an alternate dimension review of this cereal. Okay, one second. I'm getting something ready for yeah. this. I have just the thing. Yeah, do what you got to do. Here, let's see. Let me Hello. let me actually get this cereal out so you can see what it looks like. Can you hear it? Nice. Effect. Okay, perfect. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Alexa, make room red. So they look like smaller honeycombs, kind of. 
Uh-huh. Did you by any chance ever try waffle crisp? No. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> you sound like the devil. <laughs> <laughs> This is hilarious. I'm making the whole room red for you. Yeah, there you go. So, so, but they taste like uh, they taste like waffle crisp cereal, which was a cereal that was made in the '90s that yeah. was amazing. But they discontinued it, and now it's come back as Ego cereal. So, okay. Whenever you're ready, you can review the cereal with all the information that I've given you. So Waffle Crisp was the one that that was before. Yes, that was in okay, the 90s. I have had that. Yes. I have had that. Yeah. Because that's I was what, like, I know I've had this cereal yeah, before. Yeah, that, that's what this is reminiscent of. It's it's quite literally the same exact cereal with the Eggo logo on it. Let's get it. Go for it, baby. <laughs> All right, here we go. Whenever you're ready. Let us begin. <laughs> in 2016, <laughs> Kellogg's officially released Eggo cereal. It came in two flavors, maple syrup <laughs> and cinnamon toast. <laughs> Michael is trying the maple flavored home style waffle cereal. He won't be able to eat that with his organs coming out of his body. Oh, man. Does he know that Eleven is addicted to this magical cereal substance? I think not. <laughs> but what he does know is that he shares a kinship and mutual appreciation for this delicious human delicatessen. <laughs> is that good? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I grew up so many years being afraid of the devil. I never knew he'd be on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's so chill, actually. He's so <laughs> back. Yeah, he's a lot more chill than I thought. Yeah, he's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like you, you gotta like hear him out a little bit. Yeah, like he doesn't like, like burn in hell for eternity. Yeah. Like eternity's like relative. Yeah, he just means like for the eternity of your life. Like, that's yeah, all. like it's, it's about you, dude. <laughs> This episode of Child Like It Best with Mike Valdez is brought to you by The Crunch Cup. Save time in the morning by taking your cereal on the go. Simply add cereal to the inner cup, milk into the outer cup, screw on the lid, and you're ready to crunch. Eat cereal in the car, at your desk, or anywhere else you want. Go to thecrunchcup.com to purchase what I think is a genius invention and use the discount code MikeValdez10. That's Mike, M-I-K-E, Valdez, V-A-L-D-E-S, the number 10, to save 10% off of your order. You can also sign up for their monthly giveaway to win a year's supply of cereal. So what are you waiting for? Go to thecrunchcup.com and use promo code MikeValdez10 to save 10% off of your order. The Crunch Cup, it's better than spooning. that I wear that I know when I go out an old person will say why you know what is that it's so funny the specific overalls that I wear I've gone to like thrift stores and like old ladies will be like I used to have a pair of overalls not that color but I love them overalls my granddaddy get and I'm like whoa okay sick whole new conversation started with this old person yeah love it gotta have it do you like do you like conversations with old people Yes, bro. There's so much more like 
It's not that they're smarter because some of them are dumber, but they're more honest. They can disagree with you 100%, but they'll talk to you. Oh, yeah. That's what's great about them. Dude, here's the thing. An AD on a set of a movie that I was doing was talking to me during a lunch break, and she was just like, kids and old people are the best people. And I was like, why? And she goes, because they're the only people in the world that are honest to you. Yeah, bro. There's no, there's no like facade. Yeah. A kid might say something mean because they don't know that it's wrong to say that to someone yet, but exactly. But But that's a difference between like a willing full ignorance and naive ignorance. You know? Yeah. But like, but then old people are the same where they're just like, nah, man, I don't really care. I'm not trying to impress anybody anymore. I only got like three Mm -hmm. months left. Who cares what you think of me? You know? I love it. And I, I love wish it so much. Yeah, and, and, and it's like a way to live. Like you, you should live like yeah. that. Cause like at the yeah. end of the day, you can only, it's just difficult because especially in the entertainment business, people liking you is like your job. You know what I yeah. mean? So you care so much about what people think, but at the same time, like your life would be so much easier if you just didn't care. Yeah. And in fact, it would actually do the opposite. It would make people like you more because they're like, why doesn't he care? Why doesn't he care? You know, Um, it's like that. uh, It's like that hot girl at a bar metaphor that I always use where it's like my my trick for auditioning is to walk in there like I don't want the job. Because if you walk in there begging for that job, they're going to be like, no, dude, you know, but if you walk in there like, I mean this is cool. Like I'm going to give you the best that I got, but if you don't like it, it's not going to end my day. You know, the next level is being so, um, I walked into, <laughs> I can't, I can't even tell the context of this, like as far as what it was for, but I walked into this scenario recently. Uh huh. I, I don't even get it. Maybe not recently. We'll just say it was in the last two years. Sure. And I told these people, um, I said, I said, mind you, I, I, I've gotten to this point where because of the, the way my path went and how everything kind of fell apart. Now it's kind of like anything is just like, maybe this will, you know, who knows what will happen with this. It's, there's no fear behind it. It's more so like curiosity and also like, what can you provide for me? So I went into that thing. Like, I don't even, I'm, I'm aware of what you guys do, but I need something a little bit different. And I feel like you're going to not want to look back and say that you didn't say yes to this. Yes, that's as vague as I can keep it. Sure. And then they called me back a week later and they, and I met with all the people and they said, all right, cool. Yeah. Let's, we want to do it this way. And I was like, thank you. Because sometimes you just have to let people know that, you know, that it's, this is what's right for you. Right. You're like, oh yeah, I'm the person that you need for this. It's as simple as that, because this is what there's a lot of people that don't even think that. So if they don't, if they don't think that they're what's needed for it, then why are they going to get that opportunity? You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's half of like psychological, like putting on this like thing. And then also it's like really recognizing that, yes, you are providing a service for them. When you walk into those acting gigs, you are the person that they're going to need for this thing, you know? Yeah. And that's how, you know, when you, when you do it just the right way, that's when you probably get your jobs. It's so weird because with music, it might be a little bit different, but in the entertainment business, for the most part, there is always imposter syndrome. 
and there's this kind of element where you feel like you're not worthy to be on set somewhere. You're not worthy to be across Denzel Washington or whoever the case. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for us to remember that the reason why we're there is because we're worthy. 100%. That's the whole point. And if that doesn't work for you, then you just have to look at it like it's just a job. Yeah. And he's just a person. Right. And this is really not that important. 100%. It's important to me. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's no big deal. People do this every day. I'm here to do what I'm going to do. And at the end of the day, it's not like I'm going to change the way I look and the way I sound all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm, it's it's going to be what I prepared myself for. So like even with nervousness for shows, like if I'm not ready for a show, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and usually the more nervous I am is more indicative of, indicative of how much I haven't prepared for yeah. the performance. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, do you have any yeah. funny onstage memories that you want to talk about? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I played a show. We were opening up for House of Heroes. You might have been at that show, actually. Probably. And we were opening up for them at some church in Kendall, I think. Yeah. We played, and I was wearing one of those, like, cheesy top hats that I used to wear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> it wasn't um, a top hat. <laughs> well, well, what is it called? <laughs> a fedora? No, no, no. It wasn't a fedora. Was it a beanie? No, no. It was like a fedora, but it, but it wasn't. It didn't have the point. Right. Fedoras have the point. This one was like a circle, almost like a bowl, bowler hat. Is that what they're called? I guess, but it definitely wasn't a top hat. A top hat is like, you a know. A top hat's like a flat, right? And No, like, a, top, a top hat is like those like circus hats from Dimsdale the 1930s. Dimmodome. Huh? You got shit? Yeah. Dimsdale Dimmodome? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you were wearing, yeah, but, uh, you were wearing so a, a bowler hat. hat. Let's just say it was that. Yeah. So I was wearing this bowler hat. And then I, uh, I, there was a big, big crowd for us, you know, I took it off and I threw it in the crowd like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, like right into this girl's face. Oh no. And, and what's even better is that it wasn't just her face. It was her camera. She was filming with like her iPhone. Oh no! And so she has she has it on footage of the camera just of the phone just whoosh, right in her face. The hat, I mean, right in her face, bro. That's what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what a, move? Am I right? Yeah, that's. I think that show so I like stupid. fractured my hand too. Also, I played one show at a church, and I swear to God, my dad after the show was like, "You look like you're possessed by demons," and I'm like, "Bruh." <laughs> rock and roll what <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, uh, a, that's so funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> my dad it took them a little bit to understand like that my oddness and my interest in things because people don't get it like some people are like oh my gosh my family doesn't understand me I'm like you have no fucking clue <laughs> You have no fucking clue. Like you have like relatively normal parents. I always like when people too say like, oh, my parents are Christian. Yeah. I'm like, let me do the test and I'll like ask them something, which I don't even do that anymore because I don't even talk about. Just just out of curiosity, just because we talk about this on the show. What is that test? I want to know. 
because I want to know if I would pass it because I'm pretty sure I would pass it with flying colors. Yeah, the test is like, did your parents let you hang out at people's houses if they didn't know their parents? Heck, no. there you go. Not only That's that, the if they did, things. if their if their parents didn't go to church with us. Oh yeah, then it's yeah, no go for sure. Yeah. What's ironic is that like there were parents' houses that I went to that didn't go to church or that went to church and all this stuff. Horrible, horrible people. Sure. Like, and, and what I mean by horrible is horrible by my parents' standards. They were fine. Yeah. They were totally fine drinking, smoking cigarettes inside. And, <laughs> yeah, totally normal. I remember my mom dr- dropping me off at a kid's house to sleep over. And, and I, I, I can't remember her reaction, but it must have been like, oh, man, I can't just say that he can't sleep over. Right. But I'm sure that when she went home, she was probably like, oh, my gosh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like. I, I I don't know. Um, I hope I answered that right. No, you. There is no wrong answer on this podcast. <laughs> did you? And I know you did. Did you have to sneak things around your parent? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, in, in the tame, like really surface level, because like clearly, obviously, you had to like hide that you were dating girls and things like that. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. You couldn't even. Which I wasn't even dating girls. Well, you well, regardless, you couldn't be with someone of the opposite sex in your room with the door closed. I know that for sure. Exactly. I know that. One hundred percent. Yeah, I know. I know that your parents are those kind of parents too. Yeah. So for sure. Um, but I mean, like, you know, were you were you not allowed R-rated movies? Did you sneak R-rated movies (laughs) like parental advisory CDs, things like that? Just like surface level stuff. Uh, Music, no, there was no music that I wanted to listen to that I couldn't listen to. I wish I had um, Well, I wasn't exposed to any of it. There was no way of me knowing about anything other than what my brother listened to and what my sister listened to. That's it. And they listened to Christian rock and yeah. Rocket Summer and shit like that. Yeah. Which is great. And yeah. I'm very glad that I listened to that stuff. Of course. But what I ended up having to hide around them was weed, like you said, girls, surface level stuff too, though. Um, I'm pretty OCD now. And I think that's because I've fallen into the actual discipline of it. Mm-hmm. But even before I was pretty, pretty organized and pretty clean. But my mom was very serious about making sure that my room was like spotless. Yeah. So... One day, <laughs> not even one day, just just in general, a lot of times I would like just throw everything in my closet or, or like sweep everything under my bed and just clean it up later. Like <laughs> things like that, just to make sure that I wasn't going to get some sort of crazy, you know, ear beating for my mom. Sure. Even though I love her, but yeah. it's just like I couldn't handle all of that <laughs> type of stuff. Was your mom the type of mom that would be that would like get mad at you to clean your room and be like, you have to clean your room. The cleaning lady's coming tomorrow. No, we did not have no damn cleaning lady. My mom was way too old school. That's Uh, that's always the thing I never understood, man. I would get so much crap from my parents. They'd be like, you got to clean your room. The cleaning lady's coming tomorrow. And I'm like, it's her job to clean my room. (laughs) What are you paying her for? (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm going to boast a little bit. I lived in a a house with uh, two other dudes in Miami and they we had a cleaning lady mm-hmm. and the cleaning lady would come once a month, you know, you know, we, we paid her like, I don't know how many, however much money, but we each, we each chipped in and she cleaned the whole house. She told her husband who was our landlord. She, she said, uh, he's the cleanest boys 
He's the, he has the cleanest room for a boy that I've ever cleaned. She goes, I, I literally, all I do is I go in and I unmake his bed and I clean his sheets for him just because, uh, and then I make them back and she's like, and then I mop the floor and things like that. Cause we have like tile floors. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah. So I wasn't even preparing to ask you this, but I just thought about it and I was like, ah, what the heck? Uh, go for it. What was your experience like on the voice? Oh yeah. Um, Can you talk about that? I forget you want that to? I do that. Bro, I don't even care, man. Let's go. <laughs> so the voice, yeah, no, it, it's been so many years. It's yeah, been like eight or nine years. It was season um, one. Yeah, it was season one. Yeah. I'll be honest. So up until that point, there weren't a lot of things that like gave me affirmation as to like, oh, I can actually make it in like the na- national, you know, the in the world music scene Yeah, and getting to be on that show even though this has no relevance to that, it made me feel that way at the time, even though there's not much of a connection, you know, but it it made me feel like, Oh man, if, if people can like me in this broad way from a mainstream perspective, then maybe I can make it like as a bigger musician than what I had in mind of what I wanted. I just wanted to tour and which is Fantastic. And that's more now what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, now I don't really have anything specific. It's kind of like whatever happens, happens. But it was very affirming. It felt really cool to be sent off to LA, 18 years old, alone and have a hotel room to my, to myself for, I don't know, it was like six weeks or something like that Mm -hmm. um, and get paid for it. Like, dude, that was, man, if there's one point in my life that I wish I could just rewind and get back to that scenario it was one of the best scenarios in my life and I would have juiced the hell out of it I almost auditioned for this year because they every couple of years they'll be like hey do you want to be in the auditions Yeah, and uh, basically they like put you past the pr- preliminary rounds or whatever they're called and let you kind of go in front of the next level auditions which are the people before the judges Yeah, and then that's what determines you going to LA and then there's more judges in LA before you even go to the judges actually yeah and I signed up for it and then I just didn't do it because I, I was just like, man, it's just not the time. It's just, isn't, I, I'm not ready for that yet. Like, I feel like I have a lot to do as far as building a core following. Like yeah. I've never been so vigilant in my life and now I'm very on top of things with myself. So it's like, why not go as hard as I possibly can? Yeah. It's funny. I've, um, I've auditioned for a few of those shows as well. I, I auditioned for the X factor and for the voice, but it's something that is so interesting because when I auditioned for the X factor, I went with a couple of buddies and there were some people in the line that were just like, man, if I don't make it, then like this and this and this, and if I don't make it, then this, this and this. And of course, it's a cattle call audition. And, you know, so it's like thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of people. So yeah, it's almost impossible. In, right. In the which first place. My, my buddy Manny, he said this metaphor and I've been using it ever since. And Is it's that Manny from Sleeping Sunset. Oh, yes. Manny. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. And uh, and yeah. So and he was basically like, look, at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make a show. Do you really think that in this entire arena, there's only eight people that can sing? Of course. That's quite literally like putting a plastic bag into a full aquarium and expecting not to get a fish. Yeah. There's so many people that could sing in a full crowded arena of singers. They're looking for very specific things. 
that's kind of the thing for you that I was going to say, which like, and who knows, maybe you might feel differently, but I feel like if they marketed you as this guy who's like, he never wears shoes. He's always barefoot. That's crazy. Like, yeah. wouldn't that like get to you after a while? You'd be like, yeah, yeah I have to freaking that, that go out there did. with no shoes again. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that I have the type of personality, which is kind of what ended up happening in my career after that, mm-hmm. which is that I didn't give into that stuff. Like I was being pigeonholed even before I had a huge following. Like I had yeah. a decent, a decent little come up at, a, at one point, but not enough to like be like, okay, you have to do this type of thing. But like the people I was working with out of their own survival instincts were like, let's do this and let's do this. And none of it really was working. Mm-hmm. Um, was this during then, the revival era? Yeah. And and then also half of those ideas that I was making weren't working. Like revival mm-hmm. was not, I don't look at that album with fondness. Sure. I look at it with like, that's a fucking demo that's on Spotify that collects royalties that I don't even get, bro. Because yeah. it's on some publisher that we wanted to meet in San Francisco, AWOL. And they never, they literally went AWOL and they literally don't message me and I don't get any royalties from that. And it's got thousands and thousands and thousands of, I think it's got like collectively that project has probably like 500,000 streams. Wow. And uh, that's, that's, that's a decent amount of money, surprisingly. Yeah. But whatever. No, like no hard feelings. Cause that was, like I said, that was all survival. And then the things that I was doing wasn't working because I was doing things out of survival as well. Like I was making bad decisions too. So I was using my rebellion in the wrong way. Now I don't call it rebellion. I call it assertiveness and, you know, drawing a line, you know, like there's a guy that I work with that helps me with my social media stuff. And the only rule is that, I make whatever content I want to make. He just helps me curate it. He just says, oh, this one's, I like this one the most. But he doesn't say, but don't do this song. Because I can't handle that. It's like, this is what I make. And so that's like my new thing going into things with with people and collaborative efforts. It's kind of like, you know what you're getting into. You're not hiring me because I am a camera. You're hiring me because of how I use the camera. And that's just how I like view everything. So, which actually in a way expands your ability to do whatever you want, regardless of how you think people might pigeonhole you. Like think about filthy Frank, for example, I seriously think his transition into becoming Joji. Nobody cares because he truly doesn't care. I don't think he thought a second about whether or not people will take him seriously because he's filthy Frank or not. He said, I'm going to make a dope song. I'm going to get, go all in with it. It's clearly going to be serious. It's clearly going to be, this different thing. And it's amazing, bro. Yeah. Joji's sick. I fucking love Joji. Sure. Yeah. There's um, so many different artists that are like that. I mean, on a, on a mainstream Mm -hmm. level now, uh, Donald Glover, bro. Yes, dude. Nobody, nobody would have ever thought that the, the funny, silly guy from community would have made this as America, but it's very true, but he did. And it's, it's amazing. You know, um, that's with anyone with any kind of artist or anything like that. When did this all transition into Haas Maple? Long story short, a lot of music I, I don't get my royalties from, my royalty checks from. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, seeing my name a bunch started to make me uncomfortable uh, in a way. And the idea of being able to be a little bit more anonymous 
seemed interesting because like in all of my stuff, I, I kind of wear trippy stuff and kind of look a different way. But then in real life, I'm kind of just, I mean, I, obviously my hair's dyed and things like that, but, yeah, but you're a dude. I guess I do wear all of that stuff in the same way, but it's just kind of, no, it just feels more anonymous to kind of just not care about a specific brand and just kind of do what I want to do, you right. know, and not worry about people recognize me because of the way I look. I want them to just know the sound and then everything else like that falls into place. So I decided to go buy maple mm-hmm. uh, because I really like maple syrup my you guys, gamer tag. You, your family and, and sauces, man. Like, I don't know what it no, is. I, your brother with barbecue sauce, you with maple syrup. Like, what is going know, on? Dude, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like, we is really your sister, like, like, really like, into in mustard? Way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, her, she's got a project really in into. Dijon or something. Like, Dijon. <laughs> her children. Are, it's funny. Her, her her daughter's name is Lila Pepin. Yeah. And that's like, that uh, like, like, I think of, like, Pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I actually, how it really was started uh, and why I, ch- I chose it because I do like all these things about maple and like even the leaf and all these things is my gamer tag on Xbox was refluent maple 48. Okay. And so I decided like, I fucking like that. Cause everybody online in my whole online family, they just called me maple for short without any sort of like, you know, I wasn't telling people call me maple. And so it just kind of happened naturally. And then uh, when I did it on Instagram, I was trying to figure out how to, how to have maple without, it being like maple music or this or that. So it's like, what can I do that can add to this? That I, I don't know that would, that would add to it, but still it could still be maple when I'm putting out projects. Like, you know what I mean? And I just thought, Huss, I think, I, I think I saw, I think I thought maple house or house maple. Yeah. And then my roommate was like, what about Haas? Cause I'm German. Yeah. Mom's German. And I was like, yo, that's hard. Mm-hmm. So it's hot maple. Yeah. That's how it came to be. And so now it's more of like a pseudonym for, for all of my creative projects, mm-hmm. like directed by maple, you know, music by maple scored by maple, whatever the fuck, you know? So is that what you want people to call you? Like, it, like, do I have to call you maple now? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more like a producer name. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, like a, like a band name. Some people out here do call me that, uh, randomly, like people that I met after the change. Cause they, they would meet me because I'd be working for them through some shit. Yeah. So that's all they know me as. Sure. And I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then also I'm not really that it's, it doesn't like trip me out when people say it either because online everybody calls me maple. So it's, yeah. I'm used to hearing it. Yeah. I, I like yeah. that. Have you done any shows as maple? One. I can't remember if it was before the tornado or after the tornado. I think it was after the tornado. No, it was after because the girl wanted it to be, she was like, what if we do it as a funding thing for the tornado relief? And I was like, yeah. nah, fam. <laughs> I was like, I don't do charities. I don't like to connect things to things too much. It's just at a certain point, it's like, what are you doing? Like, because you you might say, oh, you're using influence to draw attention to it. It's like, are you doing that, or are you using the attention of that thing to draw attention to you? Yeah, fair no, enough. It's like virtue signaling. Yeah. No, I totally forgot what I was. What we what were you even asked me? That's if my you fault. Had played any shows with as Maple? Oh, okay. And you so said yeah. you don't, I don't we do charities, and then you were like, "It's yes. the tornado." I don't think it's the tornado. And exactly. Then it yeah, blew yeah. Away your house, and then everything was in black and white, and then and Bro, then it turned color memory, for a little bro. bit. <laughs> what? You have a really good memory. Yeah. Um, Part of that was so, the Wizard of Oz, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember you and you were there and you were there. No, um, so yeah, there was the tornado. Yeah. Then, then we did the show and then I, had, I started booking a lot of shows. I started working with this girl who was helping me kind of reach out to people and kind of pointing me in the right direction yeah. per se. And, uh, and it was working. I was like, Whoa, like, it hasn't worked this way in a while where I like had a project that I was pitching to people saying, Hey, let me play this show. None of this is out yet, but I need to get, get gain traction in person. Cause out here having a local following is very important. Oh yeah. I don't know what it is, but it just is important. So just trying to figure all that out. And then even when the tornado hit it already, I had to cancel a couple, uh, one show because of um, the venue got destroyed completely. Oh, wow completely destroyed. Like it's not coming back. It's done forever. Uh, I think it's called the basement East or something like that or East room. I forget the next one that I had planned got canceled because of the coronavirus. And then the next one that I had planned, there was like literally three more after that, you know, that were supposed to happen in the last couple of months. And I never predicted this thing to last this long. Oh my gosh. It's about to be a year. Can you believe that? It's so crazy, man. Yeah, We're a little, we're a little over halfway. Who knows what's going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> from our upbringing being in christian school and things like that that means that like the rapture is happening soon right i know so, right which dude. is like kind of scary to think about i start freaking out sometimes do you yeah well just because of look like i don't even believe i believe i have a different version of like how i believe in god and sure. stuff now i'd love for you to tell me yeah i mean it's 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 relatively just like simple like how do i how i approach everything it's like god to me exists and he set everything into motion Mm -hmm. and therefore everything that is set into motion is like transcendent in a sense that it doesn't mean that it's important. It means that it is like, it is something that is just special in a way. Yeah. And so people you have to treat with transcendence, even if you disagree with them, or even if you kind of like, even if you haven't met them, it's kind of like, there's something about them that I know is what makes them great. Even if they're, even if they're channeling that in a bad way Yeah. and then objects and things like that. Like it's almost like spiritual materialism, uh, which not in the way that the book is about it, but in a sense of like things, even, even objects that I spend money on, like I have this duality of like caring a lot about it because I want to take care of it, but also like, well, it's just a thing. And therefore because it's my thing, I can do whatever I want with it. So I'll spray paint this fucking computer. I'll spray paint this. I spray painted my whole keyboard blue and I spray painted my mic blue. Mm-hmm. And I would have never done that years ago. And also I wouldn't have taken care of my stuff as well years ago. It's this odd thing yeah. where I'm learning to like care and not care at the same time. That's helping my soul a lot uh, deal with like everyday things and, and also deeper issues. Yeah, man. But, um, yeah, the, but, but essentially with the whole God spirituality thing, just not to, not to like, uh, forget that or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just because of the way all that stuff is pitched to you as a child, it sticks in your head. Of course. So we have this idea of the end of the world being like infinity war type shit. Mm-hmm. Like I watch movies like superhero movies, I think differently than most people do. Maybe you do too. Mm-hmm. But I look at superhero movies like they are these like demigods and I create up these fake stories of what they actually are in my head. You know, in my mind, they're like these demigods that used to be gods that are now like living in our dimension mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of either helping us 
or doing whatever they want with us, choosing to be like angels or demons, right. you know, and they have these crazy powers. And, and at some points they have to fight for our freedom and for our existence, you know, and I like the idea of that. That's a really, and, and I like the idea that we are them in a way, yeah. you know, we're other forms of these Cause that's something that I felt like they left out in the Bible a lot, at least in my church. I don't know if they say this specifically in the Bible, but in our church, they're very like adamant that like angels don't really have like souls, right? which because they're like, cause they just are following orders, but it's like, well, not really. Cause they have decision-making abilities yeah, and they can be jealous and they can be happy and they can actually have sex with humans. Right. Like why are they able to procreate with humans? And I, obviously according to the, the stories in the Bible, you well, know. Well, not only that, but they can they can also defy God. Hence, that's the most, what I'm, exactly. Hence, the most famous angel being the devil. Yeah, <laughs> and what do humans do? They defy God. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, of course. I, I even have this huge theory about not huge theory. This like it's my brain. It's huge, but it's the idea because of the nature of metaphysics and religions back in the day and how they would like encrypt things. Is that the Bible is actually one huge metaphor for human existence and like God is like essence of what somebody would be like, like the the seed and the egg. And then humans are like the baby. And then Satan is the fall of man and, and like kind of going through life. And then Jesus is when he, you know, turns away from all these things and then you die. And then you're in this ethereal space after that. And it's kind of like to me, because that's the process of human beings. And some people don't finish that process. And some people stay in one section of that process. And each one of them are infinitely large. So it all, it's, also, it's always expanding, but, but there's definitely levels to it. And you can also jump levels and things like that. But um, I don't know. It's Life is just very, there's something special about it. Of course. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something like ethereal about it. Of course. And that's kind of what makes me happy. That's kind of what makes me interested in all things all the time. Like yeah. even just simple watching interviews, watching documentaries, reading random books, listening to different music, just anything that you can ingest that's going to give you a different perspective, especially an artistic perspective. Because when things have a d- different art artistic aesthetic it's going to cause you to look at things differently yeah it all helps absolutely sorry for ranting no that's this is a good thing i'm glad that we're talking about this i feel like the best podcasts for me are always the podcasts that are all the things i like about my personality which is like that it could be super super silly and then mm-hmm. it could just get like really heartfelt and vulnerable. So like, yeah. so I like that we we're kind of going through the ebbs and flows of all these different yes. emotions and things like that, because those are my favorite kinds of conversations. And I only have those conversations with my closest friends. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's difficult to have those conversations with people that you don't know very well, unless you're an open person, you know? Yeah. So I, I was thinking about this. And I wanted, I wanted to ask you, what's the hardest time you've ever laughed? Oh man. And it, and it could be a stupid story, man. Like, like it doesn't have to make sense to anyone but you, but it's the hardest you've ever laughed. Honestly, what popped in my head was when I used to watch Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Just any scene <laughs> in that movie. That, that movie I, got that's what I, like, I remember when just, I was a kid. 
<laughs> really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh damn. Go through your I whole story and I'll and I'll go through mine because I yeah. I don't think I've told this story since episode one, so I'll retell the story. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Just um, one of the scenes in that movie that used to have me just like dying laughing was um, and my whole family too. I think that's what made it funnier too. Sure. Was when they feed the guy the wrong pills or whatever they they first like put the spicy shit in a sandwich so just freak out <laughs> yeah right and then they feed him the wrong pills and then they kill him yeah to me that was just like comedy gold yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know to this day i can watch that movie and i just laugh so hard oh and dude so, uh, it, it's like it goes down in history for having the best diarrhea scene in a movie of all time Bro, so good. It's like the but best movie scene ever. Man, if I'm going to laugh, I need to laugh. Yeah. And so I almost every night before I go to bed, I watch South Park or Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Dude, you're, I'm, it's uh, like I'm Squidbillies. talking to myself in another dimension. Bro. I'm exactly like, the same. Dude, because <laughs> those things... Especially if I if I have like a shot or something yeah. before I go to bed because I'm like really tired and or beer or something you know some simple I'm really relaxed I just laugh my ass off because yeah. it's so late too so you're kind of delirious of course those are the like, best what? kind of laughs though yeah dude, just, <laughs> I laugh almost differently yeah and it's like why how how is this made yeah like how did a bunch of people in a room decide that this was going to be able to be on TV I and, know. <laughs> and trust that people will like it. You know, that's what I love about it so much because it's the most goofy shit and it's like 40 year olds making it. You know, I yeah. love that shit. Yeah. So it's, it's funny that you say that because man, I, I, I was explaining this to my mom and, and I, I, in retrospect, I probably sounded like a drug addict to her, <laughs> but, but I was like, I, I was like, Oh, I, I really like this specific brand of sleeping pill like sleeping aid uh-huh. it's like the these cvs chewable tablets they they knock you out okay. immediately but i told her the reason why i like them is because when i take them i watch south park or the simpsons or something and it takes all the like all the real world things out of my head and i just start laughing at the stupidest stuff and that's like the best way to fall asleep yeah you know? man. like it like just literally it's just the best but yeah. to tell you the story about how Dumb and Dumber got canceled at my house. So I must have been like six or seven years old. And uh, my buddies from across the street that we that my dad would take to church were like, hey, Mikey, do you want to see Dumb and Dumber? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. So <laughs> they brought their laser disc of Dumb and Dumber <laughs> to my house. <laughs> it was like for those that don't know who don't know what laser discs are they're basically like a vinyl record that was movie like it's kind of dumb mm-hmm. that it was a thing but anyway they brought their laser disc <laughs> of dumb and dumber to my house and we started watching it and my dad was my dad was like oh i'm gonna watch it with you guys because i wasn't allowed to watch pg-13 movies because i wasn't 13 and we were so christian and (laughs) and so we're watching it and it's fine and and we're we're making it until there's this scene which i'm sure you know the scene where jim carrey is driving the sheepdog and he's having a daydream while he's driving 
and he goes out with this girl and mm-hmm. there they he has the fight in the restaurant pulls the heart out and puts it in a doggy bag it's super funny and then there's a there's a moment in the scene where they're they're across they're, they're like across a fireplace and they're taking off articles of clothing one at a time so yes. he takes off his jacket she takes off her jacket he <laughs> takes off her shirt and she starts she takes one strap off and like all these things and then uh it finally gets to the point where she's topless and it, the camera pans down and instead of boobs it's the headlights of a yes, truck's car of the, of the truck yeah. great bit great bit absolutely yes, so great amazing. bit. but here's the thing my dad doesn't understand jokes so he thought that the punchline to the joke was that we were gonna see tits and so i wasn't allowed to watch that movie anymore and in fact what's crazy is i wasn't allowed to watch any movie that jim carrey ever made after that so i had to like sneak jim carrey movies he called them james carrey because that's the thing about my dad is like he remembers things but he remembers things like kind of weird you know like he'll be like oh who's that actor that uh michelangelo da vinci and you're like leonardo (laughs) dicaprio yeah that guy like (laughs) michelangelo douglas The glass. Yeah. And so he called him James Carey. So I wasn't allowed to watch James Carey movies (laughs) growing up. And it was, yeah, it was because of that. It was because of that. I love Jim Carey movies. Yeah. The mask. Oh, I, I, Uh, I snuck them all. But dude, and that's the thing. I I talk about it plenty of times on my podcast, but like Mm. my rebellion was so tame, like much tamer than yours. Like my rebellion was like, screw you, mom. I'm 20 years old. I'm watching Harry Potter. You know, like that was my rebellion, <laughs> like a movie Same, that was made though, for children. Point, <laughs> I, I couldn't watch Harry Potter either, though, until I was like 18. And then I, and then actually, I think maybe we started watching it when we were in high school. I feel like okay. it was so far after it was like out. And I think I told my mom at one point, I don't even know if we talked about it, but it was like we were I was watching like Poltergeist in like elementary school yeah. with my dad. Yeah. You know, we watched scary movies and shit. Yeah. Like, hor- like rated R stuff, but they would just fast forward and eat bad stuff. And then if somebody cursed, everybody in my family in unison would say bad word during a movie, even if people were over. Wow. I was so intense, bro. And I didn't even realize that it was weird until I like. It's funny because it, uh, it, at first it, it sounded kind of cute. And then I, and then I put myself in your shoes and then I was like, oh, that sounds awful now. <laughs> yeah. Because also like if you, if you like, if you like train somebody without their consent to like think something is a certain way, like undoubtedly, fundamentally, it's very difficult for them to then once they have the freedom to think how they want to not really be scared that something is that way because they've been accidentally brainwashed. Yeah. It happens to everybody in certain ways. The problem is with religion is that it can be pretty important things about your (laughs) psyche that, that that they'll instill in you that can kind of like mess with you a little bit. Yeah. But no hard feelings. Yeah. Of course. Something about me is that not as much anymore, but there is, you know, 20, 30% of the time sometimes when I hear someone swear, it still makes my heart stop. Yeah, I feel you. You know? It may, it, like, there's something in your brain, maybe. Yeah. Like, And it's weird. Like, I swear. 
Yeah. Like, it's just like the way it's just like it's just something that it's just happens something that's in my in brain that is incontrollable. Like it just happens because like my brain was so used to like, can't say that. I mean, I have dreams about being in hell and shit. Oh, yeah. Um, you but know, your brain's version of hell. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually dope because I can always <laughs> somehow like fight my way out of it. Yeah. It's always like some sort of like Rick and Morty type it's dope, dude. scenario. The you know? there. It's so good. Yeah, it's <laughs> Their biscuits are fire. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's nightmares can be fun. I have Sometimes. better nightmares. You seem like somebody who really likes nightmares though. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a nightmare guy. Look at my face. <laughs> 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 my face well, does not is- scream that I like nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's very true. You're a very kind face. I am. Yeah. The thing is, is uh, I'm going to be real. Changing I, I started tripping on psychedelic drugs when I was in college. Yeah. And not crazy. I would try it, you know, semi-frequently mm-hmm. throughout my throughout the years until I was about 24, which is when I started doing it more proactively. Yeah. And um, the thing was, it expanded in me some sort of attentiveness to dark aesthetic to the point where it didn't seem dark anymore. The things that seem dark now seem like perpetuated ideas of darkness, like stereotypical versions of it. And then the things that really tripped me out were things like medicine commercials and like, (laughs) you know... (laughs) People in wheelchairs, missing legs. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, ew, gross. I mean, like, whoa. Yeah. Like, like what's the story? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's something that's not, that, like everything for me, because after those experiences started to become very important. Sure. Every little thing, every novel thing became so, and, and I already was that way. I think it just magnified that mm-hmm. um, part of my personality where, I just started becoming just more aware of kind of the trivialness or the, the, the beauty in like certain things. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's just like, I like everything. Yeah. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Everything is interesting to me. Yeah. And, and look, man, I've said this on the podcast many times. The reason why it's cheesy is because it's true. It wouldn't be cheesy if it weren't. I want to, I want to ask you these last couple of questions and you can kind of take them however you want. You can take it comedically, you can take it vulnerable, however you want. But one of the things that I love talking about on this podcast is childhood. It's why I call the podcast childlike at best, because I think that your childhood has so much to do with who you are now. The dreams and aspirations that you had have everything to do with who you are now. So the question that I want to ask you is, what advice would you give to yourself right now to your child self? Chill and stop focusing on the future and focus on how amazing everything is in the moment. Yeah. Because I I don't know. I just I loved every moment, every moment of my childhood. I'm like super lucky that I have a family that loves me very much. Mm-hmm. And I miss that the most. I miss growing up, being around my family all the time, going on trips, going to the mall, going grocery shopping. Like that's why I want to start a family. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because I just want that again. That's dude. why like, any I, I don't start, want to start a family, right? I would, yeah, I would exactly. So yeah, just, and also 
if you're going to do something, just do it and do it like you're already paid to do it. Hell yeah. And now this is the the ultimate question, I would say. What would the child version of yourself think of who you are now? Oh, I think he would think I'm exactly how he thought I would be, at least the way I look. Yeah. I, I, I remember in my head the way I'd look when I was an adult. And I'm not kidding you. I remember thinking I'll, I'll have a bunch of tattoos and I'll wear red glasses, literally red, red glasses, because <laughs> I had these red glasses that I like couldn't really wear in public, but I would like sneak him to school and yeah. stuff. And, um, and I would have different color hair and earrings. So I would be, I would be stoked. Like, <laughs> like straight up. I, awesome. Like that, that's, I dressed the way I wish I could have dressed when I was a kid. Yeah. So it only makes sense. Heck yeah. Cause now I, I think that it's so dumb to, like focus on a specific way of looking like who cares? Really what matters is our soul, the contents of our heart. Right. So who cares what's happening with all these things as far as the aesthetic of it, you know, fucking dye your hair, every color you want tattoos on your face, get tattoos in your eyeballs, get, get tattoos in your teeth. Like (laughs) I just feel like we don't experiment enough with that type of stuff because we have this idea of what's normal. And I do, I do agree that there is a normal, Yeah, but, but I, I don't know. I just think it's fun to just kind of, to kind of go for it yeah. in every which way possible. Yeah. And be weird. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's nothing exactly. wrong with be being, weirdo. there's nothing wrong with being a weirdo. The weirdos exactly. make everything more interesting. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's a t-shirt. At least it, uh, it seems yes. like it would be at least. Right. That's yeah. awesome, man. This has been such a blast. I had so much fun. I haven't done a podcast in a while. Where can people find you online? Haas Maple, H-A-U-S-M-A-P-L-E. Every social, it's that. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. I don't have anything on Spotify yet. YouTube, Twitch. But mainly go to my Twitch for everything because that's really the only place I'm active right now. That's what I'm focusing on. I post stuff on Instagram. I got to start posting more of my music stuff on Instagram again. But, you know, it's... Music is such a joke, man. I, you know, it's just. That's the freaking Instagram clip right there. Music is such a joke, man. (laughs) I love making it. Yeah. You don't love something unless you hate hate it, you know? Well, (laughs) I hate the idea, like the on, I, I hate the whole online thing and trying, you know, having, not having to, but. I hate that whole part of it. I love making it oh, yeah. so much. Yeah. But I hate that like music now, the way everything is, is just odd to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I love it because there's this opening. There's this constant opening. Basically, it's at a time where like anything new is welcomed. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. You just have to rise to the surface. So there's, there's where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. Uh, it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite period of music. Sure. But there's a lot of really good artists that I love. Um, but I just want to be, I want to be one of the artists that, you know, is a part of the new, the new, the new music yeah, man. scene, you know? Yeah, man. So we'll see. You will. Yeah, it'll, let's do it'll it. It'll happen. For me, you can find me on Instagram at Mike Valdez, on Twitter at I am Mike Valdez. You can go to whoismikevaldez.com to find out the answer to that question. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. 
Thank you so much for listening. And please remember to never lose your sense of childlike wonder. Bye, besties. One day we'll have to do like a show and tell toy type thing. We'll pick like five toys from each of us that will like show on a stream. Oh, dude, are you I know kidding? You like, I, I, like I could do 800 videos with you. Yeah. <laughs> so many toys. Woo. That's not even See, the dildos that, that I cool have. Phase. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Geek Bro podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit geekbro.net.